You're about to enter Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, please search for us on iTunes. Uh, look at Nowhere, California, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Nowhere, California. Please hit like. And as always, we are very hungry for your feedback. So if you have any requests or anything like that, please send your love, your hate, or your apathy to Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. This is Josh. This is Phil. And welcome to Why Not. For those who are new to this or are usually drunk when they listen to this and are wondering why isn't this one of our regular episodes, <laughs> this is our usual monthly discussion of any random movie we decide to pick because of many different reasons. Oh yeah, whether it's fallen under the radar um, or something we just really enjoyed, you well, know, or something that maybe has a touch of nostalgia, it has many reasons, but... Uh, we want to bring it back to your attention. Yeah, because... Either way, it deserves it. And that's why we call it Why Not. Why Not, like this one, Blazing Saddles. Because Blazing Saddles, honestly, it's remembered by a lot of people, but there are still those people that look at it and go, eh, comedy western? Well, you know, it, it, that was what made it unique at the time, because it, uh, when you think about it, it's Mel Brooks. Um, brilliant genius. Of course, you know, he's very innovative in the way, I think he actually mainstreamed or, if not, he's an entrepreneur when it comes to the satire. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think satire, you think Mel Brooks. I mean, it's just well-executed, very smart, very funny moments, and uh, they're golden. And in Blazing Saddles' uh, um, thing, you know, what he likes to do, um, the first movie on record yeah. was a Western. Yeah. So he's satirizing the first genre. The first genre of movies in general. And also, too, kind of that whole history of Hollywood with Westerns. And just recently, on September 8th, mm-hmm. uh, Mel Brooks became part of the Hollywood history. Yes. More right. than he is. Right, right. He, he already, he already, he already he's has a legend. Spot. He's this, already a legend. This gives him his physical presence in the world of the history of Hollywood because how old is this man now? Oh, God. I think he's... Oh, in his 80s. Let me just... Late 80s. As he's looking this up, I'll tell you the story. Tell us, yeah. Uh, He had the the honor of putting his feet prints and handprints into the uh, cement outside of the Chinese theater. It's not called Grobs anymore, so I don't know who the hell owns it now. But um, he did it, and there was something weird about the pictures you see from it, and a lot of people were wondering, like, why does that look so weird? And then you look closely at the left handprint. He has six fingers in his left handprint. This was the brilliant <laughs> idea of Mel Brooks because he wanted to do something a little bit different towards it. Well, you know, it's a good thing he did do something different because, okay, I, I, the man is a genius, and you know what? You've got to be a genius when you've been on this earth 88 years. Yeah. But yeah. It's, he, Mel Brooks is one of those anomalies, though. Mm-hmm. Just like how Robin Williams was... Mel Brooks is and so many people in the comedy world not, not so many people but they're the rare ones that are always firing on all cylinders oh exactly and just the idea to go you know what put a prosthetic finger on my hand so I can have six fingers in my mm-hmm. handbrain well you know a little trivia about I, I, I bet I bet you did not know this at all he had his uh, name uh, uncredited from it but you, did you know that he was an executive producer on the movie The Fly the remake I just recently learned that actually you just recently because I, I had the AFI uh, celebration on my DVR and I had to blitz through a lot of them but can you believe that I, doesn't that just blow your mind I couldn't believe it when I first mm-hmm. first learned it but then after thinking about it I was like 
the man did Elephant Man also. <laughs> no, no, he did, he did do that. But, yeah. you know, you think of a long thing. I mean, he did a large string of really funny, yeah. innovative, brilliant... I mean, you can't watch any of his work and not be pissing yourself. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's that good a humor. And um, to be associated with The Fly... Which he, he that's why he didn't he he had his name and as a as somebody uh, as an artist you really to, to to put your ego aside and all that stuff for the benefit of the movie goes he didn't want people to think it was a comedy or anything well that's the same thing with Elephant Man he opened up that separate mm-hmm. production company I think Brookstone yeah yes yeah Brookstone Productions as his either serious or not just basically his non regular films yeah regular films so people don't go oh this is a Mel Brooks film it's gonna be funny Elephant Man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, he he did it always the smart way. It's like when you know, it's like, oh, Mel Brooks presents this. You it, knew it was going to be a comedy, exactly. And he kind of you know stepped back for a lot of stuff, even though he did put a lot of good serious work out yeah. there too. But sort of serious stuff. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. But no, no, no. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not it wasn't going to be all serious. But oh, you yeah. know, at the premiere, at the premiere of The Fly, he was handling out the little deal bops. Yeah. Things uh, to people uh, to, to wear those little you know the fly antennas. Well, fly antennas. He was passing those out at the premiere. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's that's Mel. That's Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, the dude's a genius. We know he's a genius. Uh, but as always with our why nots, let's uh, jump with the statistics, the budget, and whatnot. Okay, Blazing Saddles' budget was uh, estimated at two million six hundred thousand. Okay, which even today's standards, that's pretty small. It is. It's a it's a very small budget. Uh, and it was a small budget back then, but it uh, it's gross now is one hundred nineteen million five hundred thousand. <laughs> it so totally made its money back. Exactly, it shows the test of time on this film. Yeah, and you all know what I really think is really super. No sequels. Yeah, no sequels. The movie was a was was a shotgun hit. And it wasn't cheapened by sequels. There is only one Blazing Saddles. Right, there was a TV spinoff. There was a TV spinoff? Yeah, I believe it was called Black Bart. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people did because it didn't last. (laughs) Okay, well. Another, but also, too, how we're talking about this movie stands the test of time. This movie just recently got a Blu-ray release. Yeah? With the interesting sticker on it. And that's kind of the reason I really wanted to do The Blazing Saddles, Why Not? It Uh had a sticker on it of the most controversial film of all time. Yeah? At the time, it really wasn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't back then. No. It's now 2014, and our sensitivities have escalated. I'm not. Ex- People have kind of uh, uh, fall, fallen into the, uh, the 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 politically to speak politically correct. Yeah, and with this movie, it's far from being PC. It's like I've told people before with Blaze of Saddles. Honestly, even Mel Brooks has said it. Mel Brooks said it. I repeat it. I don't know why I was claiming I made the comment. Um, oh my God. But Mel Brooks has said, "Yeah, this movie could never be made today." Right. <laughs> with okay, before we really get deep into this, we're, we will be dropping some words. Um, yeah. I'm going to invoke two uh, legendary comics before we really delve deep into this. First, St. George, the beautiful man known as George Carlin, who once said, there's no bad words, there's only bad people. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, with Louis C.K. when he said, I'm not going to say the N-word, because when you say the N-word, you know you're thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be using that word a couple times during this thing, because it was used in this movie. We are not 
standing in Harlem screaming at the top of our lungs. No, we're, what we're doing when we do it, we are quoting the movie because these were said by other people. Yeah, so shut up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm going uh, to to quote St. George again, yeah. uh, specifically. He said, you know, you take the word nigger, yeah. there's nothing wrong with the word nigger in and of itself. Yeah. It's the racist asshole that's saying it you got to worry about. Which yeah. is what you said, bad people, bad thoughts, yeah. bad intentions, there are no bad words. Yeah. So basically, so, we're the two pastiest white boys you can see. Exactly. And, and we have no negative racist bones in our body. No. Minus that just, one time we went to the South and we got trapped by the clan members. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about that. No, no, no. Well, the, the, the least we say, the better. Yeah. <laughs> Squeal! Squeal! <laughs> but, but yeah. Was, uh, yeah, supposedly it's the most controversial film of all time. But honestly, you look at the movie, it is not. It is no. a funny, satirical look at, one, race relations in the West. Uh-huh. Two, like we said before, the whole genre of the earliest film form, mm-hmm. Westerns. Western. And then also, two Mel Brooks's freaking psychotic spins. <laughs> exactly. And it was just a unique uh, view on it. You've got, you got him. He was the mayor of the town, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh-huh. And you've got, of course, you've got the late great Harvey Corman, a gentleman's gentleman. Oh yeah, and That's everybody's great. favorite straight man. Yeah, Eli uh, Lamar. Yeah, and of course, uh, and of course, the, uh, the, the the late Clevin Little, uh, who played Bar. Uh, oh wait, was it Clevon? Clevon? Yes. Uh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I missed. <laughs> there's an A there. Clevon Little. Yeah. I, I apologize, sir. Yeah, but also, too, kind of a funny thing about Cleavon, Cleavon, Cleavon's role. Yeah. It initially was supposed to be Richard Pryor. Really? Yeah, a lot of people know this, and some people really don't know it. Uh, Mel Brooks initially started the idea for Blazing Saddles as Richard Pryor to star in it, uh-huh. and also write. Unfortunately, the studio got cold feet because, unfortunately, back then, Richard was, unfortunately, kind of... Mm-hmm using drugs. Right, right. And the studio was like, no, but Mel Brooks really, really wanted them. You know what's really funny is that drugs don't slow, doesn't slow down Hollywood today. No. No, no. It, it keeps it going. But, exactly, uh, but go back then, but he was able to stay on as a writer, but unfortunately, they did not let him do the starting role, which sucks, but also for Cleavon Little, to do Rocket as the sheriff. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, it... I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of his line right now. The first thing, when everybody sees him and everything goes, um, you know, dark. Yeah. And how does he break the silence? Excuse me while I whip this out. He's got a... Uh, the proclamation. Play. Yeah. It's the play on words. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, the part where they, they think they were going to, like, lynch him and stuff like that. And uh, this is uh, Cleavon's uh, uh, comedic timing is when he suddenly does this thing. He pulls out the gun and he goes like, stand back! Well, the nigger gets him! He's holding holding himself hostage and dragging himself into safety. And someone's like, well, somebody help that man! Yeah, dim-witted freaking country. Western people. It was so good. (laughs) And of course, Gene Wilder. Yeah, because when he drags himself into the sheriff's office, he meets... (laughs) Gene Wilder, the town drunk. The Waco kid? The Waco kid, yes. Uh, the fastest hand in the West. <laughs> oh my God! You want to know? That, that's also one of the uh, best parts. Uh, 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 Gene Wilder, when he when he's telling his story about how he gave up his guns. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. telling this 
long thing. See, I can't do it because it's been a long time since I've heard that, but I recall it being... We'll, we'll butcher it, though. Basically, he's talking about where a kid goes reach for this guy, and he pulls the gun on a kid, but realizes he's pulling a gun on a kid, and that freaks him out. Yeah, so he puts to the belts in, and he walked away, and he says, little bastard shot me in the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little bastard shot me in the air. But he delivered it so straight, and that's why it was so funny. Well, that's the brilliance of Gene Wilder, also yes. working with Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. I still hate the fact that they parted ways, but also, too, it's kind of a good thing that they did. Well, yeah, but the thing is, they may have parted ways, but it was actually the most civilized way to, to part, part, part ways. Yeah, because I think they're was... still friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. They yeah. just don't work together. Yeah. Well, Gene Wilder well, doesn't work retired. He's yeah. retired. Because when you watch that AFI special when they salute Mel mm-hmm. Brooks, Gene Wilder does a video thing over there. Yeah. And it was like, it's looking damn good for his age. He is. Because he stepped away. He doesn't do the hustle and bustle. No. But also, too, there's another thing where Cleavon um, walks in and Gene Wilder's hanging upside down. Mm-hmm. And the, Mel Brooks tells the story where he's like, wow, Gene is really into this. He's really doing well. And he's like, wait, 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 no, uh, Gene's passed out. Somebody get, pick up Gene. Because <laughs> 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 initially, there was somebody else that was going to play the role of Jim? of the Waco Kid and yeah. everything, but unfortunately had to bow out. I see. And then he, he um, Mel hit up Gene and was like, you want to do this? He was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, they're little colleagues and stuff yeah. like that. And they, they did Young Frankenstein first, right? Or was Blazing Saddles? No, it was Blazing Saddles and then Young Frankenstein. Oh, okay. So this opened, This was the window. Yeah. This was uh, the window. Who, who are some of the other people in the cast? Oh, well, okay. To, to, to quote a few, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm backing up here because I, I already jumped to trivia. Here we go. Uh, Cleveland Little, Gene Wilder. Uh, Slim Pickens is Taggart. The, the uh, uh, grizzled uh, prospector of the town when... Mm-hmm. He's coming into town. When Cleveland's coming into town, he's on watch out, look out, watch out, or whatever the fuck you're calling yeah. it. Yeah. And every time he's about to say, yeah, it's a New York. Yeah. The like, bell rings. Yeah, it's a boom. It's a boom. What's he saying? It's a boom. See, that's once again, it's the brilliance of it. They, you know, that's the way you get away with it. Even though the movie wound up with a hard R, if they yeah. said that word uh, more, uh, it probably would have gotten NC-17. Well, no, no, yeah, back in that no X. Sorry, it would have jumped to X. I don't, there was no NC-17. But I don't. The whole thing with NC-17 and X back in that day, mm-hmm. it wasn't really language. Like well, well, they well, would, they would have let those fly. They would have let language fly. Well, yeah. Now, yeah, it would definitely. Yeah, la- la- language can uh, can can jump you from a PG to PG-13 easily. Yeah. Um, you know that's the way it works. But remember, remember, there was no NC-17. Yeah, or it was X, time. but that's all thing. It would have jumped directly to X. The, well, well, there was that gray area. Yeah. And that may be the reason he did the bongs, but I honestly, if they even would have let it fly, I don't think it would it would have got him an X. It would have been more of a, mm-hmm. yeah, more naughty language. Well, you never know. Yeah, but okay. But Madeline Kahn is Willy von Stoop. Brilliant woman. Yes. Such a talented, brilliant woman. God mm-hmm. rest her soul. Exactly. A lot of these people are not with us anymore. Sadly, but... But they, but they did... Uh, but they they left, they left their mark in many ways. Like uh, Alex... Car- uh, I believe he's still around. Alex Karras is Mongo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mongo. Can we run for Mongo? <laughs> uh, Lyle. Mongo, uh, Burton, just a pawn. Yeah, Burton Gilliam is uh, Lyle. Yeah. Uh, David Holson is Olsen Johnson. Liam Dunn is Reverend Johnson. John Hillerman is... 
Howard Johnson. That's an interesting thing with that town, though, too. Everybody was a Johnson. Van Johnson, Gabby Johnson, Harriet Johnson, Dr. Sam Johnson. Wow. Which was a tongue-in-cheek thing about Westerners because there was a lot of, like, Howard Johnson, Jonathan and Johnson. Once again, it's... I'm, 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 see, I'm getting the giggles looking at the names because yeah. I now... It's like I'm, I'm getting the visual of the joke. Yeah. It's, 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 uh... It's it's wonderful, and I can keep going on, but there's more Johnsons. Yeah, but that, that's a good way to round out the cast because we can go through everybody, and it was a great cast, even like the big players that are just populated in the town. Well, oh, oh, and uh, let me let, let me let me not forget here; these weren't just no namers; these were people that were uh, that had done stage. big actors. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, these were big names. They had done several films. All the older ones, he got a whole lot of people. You know, Higgins from Magnum P.I. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. They're. They're, they're all there. These people are stars of stage and screen. Mel Brooks, he could get people... He could just get the best out of people. Oh, yeah, exactly. And people rush to work with him. Exactly. And um, don't forget Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise, He yes, does his cameo with, course, yeah, yeah. with the big uh, pie fight. Yeah, yeah. And But um, to jump into the movie now, uh, yes. we get... It's this town where Henry Lamar wants to take over to get the... Railroad through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way he does, he figures the way to do it is giving the the new sheriff, give him a black guy. Yeah. Because they won't want a black guy. Right. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. And he gets this request through the mayor, and mm-hmm. oh no, the governor. Sorry. Uh-huh. The governor played brilliantly by Mel Brooks. Well, we get the request in and everything, and then as they're figure out, trying to figure out the sheriff, Headley remembers that he had. Uh, Railroad worker arrested, yeah, for attacking him, mm-hmm. and sends him on to the town, and then you get right into the mix of the town of how the people are and everything, and the doe-eyed innocence of Cleveland Little's character, the sheriff, yeah, Bart, right? Yeah, yeah. Bart, Bart, yeah. Sheriff Bart. We're not idiots. We <laughs> no, no, we're just not good at names. No, <laughs> but uh, he gets into town with his doe-eyed, like, oh hey, everybody's gonna love me, but then you get to that one scene where the, the woman, the old woman, says, "Up yours." Of yours, digger, and, but yeah. then you get the you get the sentiment, but then also to you get the Mel Brooks panache to it with Gene Waller going like, "What do you expect him to say? Yeah. Welcome, have some pie and everything. Just realize they're just a bunch of idiots." Yeah, <laughs> and that's the that's the thing also too with how harsh how harsh the language is of this movie and everything and the look of racial tension. There is a message there, believe it or not, yeah. and it's really hard. It's really funny to. See a me- to find a message in uh, a satire. Well, that's the good thing about Mel Brooks compared to everybody else that does satire, like Deep Movie and all those bullshit satire. Oh, the, the, those ones are the last satire is kind of lost its it's dead. Luster. It's not until Mel decides to do another one. It's dead. It's in a coma. <laughs> Pretty much because the thing is. Um, when Mel Brooks did a satire, he doesn't just throw random shit out there yeah, and expect and it to get left. Stick. Oh look, it's a, it's a, it's a, here is a reference to another movie. Oh look, Batman's walking on stage. Oh look, here's Hellboy. Oh look, it's the Hulk. Here's Iron Man doing Miley Cyrus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or uh, here, uh, here is for whatever reason a live action Kung Fu Panda, and Kung Fu Panda is not even why. Why it's not even a disaster movie? Why the fuck is it in this film? Because it's a disaster now. Yeah, it is. But, but that's the thing with Mel Brooks. Belong. Mel Brooks had a structured script, and he could spin the messages in there. Yes, where it's just like, hey, people of other colors are good. Shut mm-hmm. the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
not only that, but he there is a there's a structured story within there with the jokes laid exactly. out like a seasoning, and you, every one of them hits their mark. Every one hits the mark, yeah. and it's not just pop culture references for pop culture references. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they do have them in there. I think the biggest pop culture reference is when uh, they walk on that set of that musical. Yeah. Why not, you know, stick out your toes, you know? And that's it. That It's it's making fun of musicals. That's yeah. basically all it was. It's not like, well, we're going to walk on this set and it's going to be Coca-Cola presents a fucking gay musical. Yeah, no, no, we don't have that. Oh, and one of the greatest uh, pop culture parts is the pop is the part where they walk out on the Hollywood. Exactly. A, a modern day, at the time, it was modern For the premiere of Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they, they, go in, they go inside. They oh, just watch the ends. They go watch the credits. <laughs> and then that, you're leading into the credits, too, with them going to their separate... They're riding off into the sunset. Then they proceed to get off their horses, uh-huh. get into their cars, and go. Yeah. <laughs> now they're together. No. Separately. It's just th- th- that's the way it is. It's, it's very well tongue in cheek, and it's just it's very it's extremely well done, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of why like Blazing Saddles does have that spot in Hollywood as one of those great uh, satires that doesn't need a sequel, and they probably quickly learn like this shouldn't be a TV series. <laughs> no, it really shouldn't because it was the way you know it's, it's it was already executed well the way it was. So as we're getting back to the old format with why nots, because we have done a lot of uh, long why nots recently. Oh yeah. Uh, we're getting ready to wrap this up, so as with every why not, here's some trivia uh, for the movie Blazing Saddles. Okay, are you starting or am I starting? You don't start. Okay, well, I love this one. While filming, Burton Gilliam uh, was the uh, uh, was was first having a very difficult time saying the word nigger, especially to Cleavon Little because he really liked him. Finally, after several cuts, Cleavon took him off to the side and told him it was okay because these weren't his words. You know, once again, you know, no bad words. Yeah. And Cleveland You're not a bad person. You're just saying these words. Exactly. And Cleveland jokingly added, if I thought you would say those words to me in any other situation, we go to Fist City, but this is all fun. Exactly. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I was to put that twang towards it. <laughs> well, I that was the way he talked, and I love that guy. Yeah. It's all I love, because I love the way he spoke. That's and that's why I bust your balls, because I, I love you. <laughs> I didn't do that twang. Okay, yeah. the next one up... Uh, Here's one. One day in the Warner Brothers Studios commissary, Mel Brooks and the other writers were seated at a table opposite of John Wayne, you know, the Duke. Mm-hmm. And the Duke turned to him and said that he heard that they were doing a Western where people were saying stuff like, blow it out your ass. By chance, Mel had a <laughs> copy of the script and he would he handed it off to John Wayne saying, I'd love you to be in this movie. The next day, he talked to John Wayne again and John told Mel, like, I can't be in this type of movie, but I'll tell you this, I'll be the first in line to see. <laughs> <laughs> he had a good, I mean, yeah, yeah probably was a breath, a breath of fresh air to, to, to see, you know, a yeah. satire that uh, made him famous, you know, you know, satire. I mean, he just, you know, just seeing it get, get a kick in the pants. Oh, yeah. He's a good sport. Exactly. Um, I would have loved to have seen him, too. Mm. Okay, um, here's one. Um, at the end of the movie, when the whole group is running out of the Warner Brothers studio in front gates, yeah. there is a man in a sweater standing on the sidewalk watching the action. Mel Brooks has said that that man was not part of the movie and had simply wandered into the scene. They shoot him away and then, he, uh, and then went back to filming the scene. But the guy comes back into the shot and is seen standing next to a light pole as the characters stream past him down the street. I wonder if the guy watches just watches that scene. He goes, "Ha!" I'm there. <laughs> because yeah. you know, in today's 
terms and technology and everything, he'd been erased out. Oh, of course. They could have just superimposed somebody out. Yeah, I or mean, made him they, into a tree. They <laughs> did get rid of that Porsche that was seen in the uh, the Dark Riders scene, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then so also, too, would that guy be considered the first photo bomber? Probably. Yeah. Actually, a film bomb. A film bomb. A film bomb. Oh, a bomber. Uh, image bomber, not just image, a image, image, there you go. running into a movie going, bombing! Yeah. Okay, next up for my trivia chunks. Uh, Mel Brooks never told Frankie Lane, the singer, about the tone of Blazing Saddles when he initially had him do the theme. Yeah. Never told him it was comedy, so Frankie thought it was a dramatic western, which Mel wanted because Mel was worried that Frankie wouldn't sing it with the right conviction if he knew it was a comedy. Which is brilliant because... It is. You want that certain tone with the theme song, like, even throwing our theme song out to it. Oh, yeah. Where Broken Dreams Gotta Die. Yeah. We're kind of nowhere near that, but it's, no. it's such a perfect song for us. It, it, it is. I, I, I love the song, but we are mostly a comedy thing, and the thing is I love um, I, I love his conviction to it. Yeah. And it's a beautiful song. Yeah. And I, I feel that's the same thing that Mel Brooks was trying to go with uh, with his artist. Yeah. You know, just trying to trying to guide him the right way. So, <clears throat> hey, um... You want me? Uh, you want me to end this with my favorite bit of trivia? Uh, let me go with one more, and then we'll end with your piece of trivia. Okay. Okay. Basically, there was this point where Mel Brooks uh, was approached by some Warner Brothers executives in yeah. an elevator, and the execs weren't too happy because they were telling them that there were several scenes that they considered offensive and mm-hmm. that needed to be deleted. Right. Mel, being Mel, he politely agreed and nodded and everything, knowing in the back of his mind. He would not touch a thing because he had final cut. <laughs> nice. So he delivered it as is. There was nothing you could do. And yeah. boom, movie's a hit. Can't edit it now. Especially back in those days because when final cut was given to the director, it was final cut. Yeah. And if the studio's like, we don't want it, he's like, I'll go to Paramount. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, he, uh, you know, innovative. I don't think there are too many directors that would do this without, you know, I mean, it, it could risk your career today. Oh, yeah, it would, it would definitely risk your career. And that kind of, you're, you're seeing that now with certain directors like Kevin Smith and he's getting his yeah uh, the fire relit with him because he was getting close to retiring but now mm-hmm. he's doing these really weird movies yeah but that are coming out so well like Red States was his first kind of step into that weirdness step into that realm and then from what I've been hearing about Tusk is going to be freaking spectacular well here's hoping you know? yeah now for the grand finale trip alright alright supposedly this movie officially marks the first time the sound of farting has ever been used in a film at least according to the filmmakers in the DVD DVD documentary according to Mel Brooks they came up with the idea after watching numerous old westerns where cowboys only consumed black coffee and plates of beans thus concluding that such a food combination would inevitably lead to farting now, so before, we, before we get into the scene, though, sure. I know a lot of people are probably listening and got to this point going, when the hell are they going to talk about the party? Okay, well, yeah, well, we're here. We were, we were teasing you a little bit. Yeah, we were. No, no, this was going to be a thing. I mean, the, our thing is dick and fart jokes, and this was the mother of all fart jokes. This is the mother and father of all fart jokes yeah. because it is the initial, it was yeah. the pioneer of fart It was groundbreaking and windbreaking at the same time. That deserves a Pulitzer right there. Oh, yeah, right there. So, I mean... <laughs> that deserves a Pulitzer and a Nobel Peace Yeah, Price. breaking ground by breaking wind. Way to go, Mal. <laughs> yeah, no, you're the, just that, those words alone. Oh, really? You do. Oh, you deserve oh, oh really, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that, but... That's uh, Oscar Wilde-style wordplay. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's terrible. But I, I... This scene... Now, once again, I mean, when you read right there, he says, after watching several Westerns... I mean, here is a man that did his research. Yeah. 
But he's also a kid of the, the that era too, yes. those style movies. Yeah, he loved watching the old westerns. Like, okay, hey, hey, what would I do? I was like, what do I want to see in this movie? Yeah, and then realizing they eat a lot of beans and drink a lot of coffee. And, and you know how they actually achieved that? He actually, I think it was uh, with in a bathroom in, yeah. in, 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 in a public, like one of those public showers and stuff like yeah. that. And he was lathering soap under his armpits, going, <laughs> yeah. Did the a, whole, a whole bunch of them. I think it was him and a bunch of the other uh, other exactly. guys. They were all doing it, and some of them were longer than others. You know, they probably had a blast with that. Oh, they did. And there's there's no, you know, what I love about him, even though he's 88 years old, that man never grew up. Oh yeah, exactly. And that's what you know. No one should ever grow up, exactly. and, especially with a mind like him. And then also too, how much the studio hated that scene. Yes, they're like, do you really they, have to do it goes, that do, much? Do we really need to get that scene? Uh, do we, can we get rid of the sound? And he goes, no. Because also, dude, you, you just said that, and I remember back when like oh, you get these movies, Comedy Central, well, not Comedy Central, like KTLA Five, like, right? When we were kids, like when we were little, <laughs> oh yeah, like, when they'd show Spaceballs all the time on Channel Five, and then they uh, randomly show Blazing Saddles. I remember seeing that scene with no farts, and it made no sense. Oh, you want to know what made also no sense? You remember when Problem Child 2 was on TV? Instead of, he goes, oh, well, if I was a figment of your imagination, could I do this? And he originally farted. Yeah. Instead of farting, he belched. Yeah. And then, but it doesn't fit, because here he does, he belches, and then, um, uh, uh, oh, God, what, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, his name, not, not John Ritter, uh, right no, 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 no. Iago, Iago, thank you. Yeah. Gilbert Gottfried, he still goes, Ow! Ow! Oh. Did somebody just crawl in here and die? Oh, you disgusting, flagellating kid! I mean, I understand. Oh, he still said flagellating? He still said flagellating! Luckily, censors have finally gotten a clue. Yeah, it's like, dude, it's like, what's the point? I mean, and the thing is, they didn't initially, the kid didn't do a TV take of a belch. Well, they did, it was a part of the... It was, it, what they did is they, they had him on pause, yeah. and they stretched out his mouth and went, yeah, well, it, it looked like, stupid. And they but, still, in sci-fi, will do that. There's a part in Freddy vs. I'm not getting off topic here. It's, we're, I mean, we're, talking yeah. about, we're talking about stupid censors here. Yeah. In Freddy vs. Jason, there's a part where, you know, this woman talks about how, oh, I don't like this guy, right? And then they look at him, and he's, like, scratching his balls. Yeah. Instead of scratching his balls, they CG'd him. I shit you not. They CG'd him playing with a yo-yo. Freddy? And Freddy versus Jason. Who's playing with the yo-yo? The the regular dude? or The regular dude is scratching his balls. She goes, I don't like this guy. And the guy's sitting there, and he's supposed to be scratching his balls. But instead, she goes, I don't like him. And, and on the sci-fi channel I don't like him they look over at him and his hand it's not natural he's it looks he's still looking down to scratch his balls but okay, good. his <laughs> hand his hand is in CG going up playing with a yo-yo okay good because I was about to say they better have him still looking at his balls doing that because no they do it's hilarious <laughs> yeah but they just, totally you know it doesn't belong I'm like I want to find that scene and go what the hell well the power to do that they probably sat in a room like we need you to change the ball scratching and it was like, to what? Yeah, exactly. You want to play with a yo-yo? Sure, whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. The guy probably it. said, I'm going to do it. No, just have him do something. And then... Or it's like, just have him do something. What, play with a yo-yo? And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's like, you sure? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You cannot fire me if it looks freaking stupid. And they're like, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, fuckers. Well, but but I, I, I couldn't stand it at that point. I probably should have sat there and watched and see what else are they going to do. Exactly. Well, that's kind <laughs> of the thing to watch, too. It's like showgirls. They're censoring. Oh, digitized bikini. Oh, the digitized bo- the, the, the purple. The, it's there the, the whole time. Bra. 
But what's the whole point of that scene? It's like, I got a topless show here. Let me see your tits. And they open it up to reveal more bras. Then you might as well add in more audio yeah. going, well, fuck this shit. Yeah, exactly. He goes, well, actually, he doesn't even say that. He goes, come on, show me it. I got a topless show here. Show me it. So it's taking out the tape. I know, it's taking out the tape. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, back, oh, go ahead. but back to the farting scene. Yes. There's the scene after the whole farting where it's the... Is it Headley or is it the boss? I think it's the boss. Yeah, the boss comes out and goes, Oh, God, God! Yeah, oh, God! I think you've been having enough things, you know? Yeah, and that... You have to have the noise. You have to have it there. You know, so sensors need to stay out of it. Yeah. Because... Scenes do not make sense. Like you, like you make things worse. You you take that away from the story. It's kind of like, well, the, well, we can't put it on TV. I'm like, you know what? At certain hours, shit flies. I think at certain points, that's why I'm glad there's a lot more movie channels out yeah. there that leave things untouched. I mean, they still put commercials in, but they leave all the fuck shit and titties. And that's you know? that's one of the main reasons I'm so sad that FearNet is gone. Oh, it's gone for it, good. It's huh? gone. It's it's long gone. Well, that's a shame. But, not to go into that depressing room, but to kind of wrap this part up. Also, too, you got to have the farts there because we've talked about this before with Mel Brooks and his impact on our lives. Yeah. You have to have the farts there because there's going to be some kid sitting there watching that scene, seeing all those farts, laughing his ass off, and then that spark happens where yeah. it's like, I want to make stuff like this. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened, man. Well, um, I, I think a good way to end this is to give you a rapid-fire list of Mel Brooks films that we just you, you gotta see. Yeah. And, uh, what? Oh no, sorry. <laughs> and, and in addition to the one that we're we, that we just got through watching, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna rapid fire more that we recommend. We'll go back and forth. So Phil, you go first. Okay, Spaceballs, number one, Space Odyssey, baby. Yeah, you can't touch that one. No. We, we've we've professed we've, our love multiple times. That was one of our why not. So yeah. uh, my first one will be Silent Movie. Uh, uh, such a format that. Kind of honestly was dead. Yeah. And Mel Brooks like fuck it, I want to do it again. And he perfected it. He goes, well, that was a genre that he wanted to tackle. And then also to the classic, classic scene of Marcel Marceau mm-hmm. answering the phone and Mel Brooks asking, "Do you want to be in my silent movie?" In silence. But then Marcel Marceau saying his first words on film, "No." <laughs> and then hang up. That was great. Brilliant. No one can execute that other than Mel Brooks. Exactly. Oh, it's so, so awesome. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I oh, just, no. You just took me back. Yeah, sorry, you, awesome. you just took me back. Okay, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Classic, another great one. Modern classic, actually. Uh, yeah, it is. It, it, you know, it was the spearhead of the 90s. Like I said, not not nearly as strong as Spaceballs. Like I said, Spaceballs can't be touched, but uh, Men in Tights is still. But uh, one, uh, one thing also from the AFI tribute that they did for Mel Brooks, uh, Carrie Hughes was in the audience and doing like kind of a talking thing, and he was like, I got a phone call from Mel, and he asked me if I wanted to do a Robin Hood movie. That's all he had to say. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, next up for me is going to be High Anxiety. Yeah? Uh, one we mentioned during our Mel Brooks episode. Mm-hmm. That's it's, right. Uh, it's a take on all the Hitchcock uh, gimmicks and all that stuff, and still the, my favorite freaking story of any like movie aspect is Alfred Hitchcock goes and watches a screening of the film. Mel Brooks sets up the screening. Albert gets up, walks out, says nothing. Mel's devastated, like, oh, God, I did this for him, and he didn't even laugh. Then, the next day, he gets a crate of wine sent to his offices saying, I freaking loved it. <laughs> and then later, Mel finds out that Alfred isn't that type of person that will 
bust out laughing in public. He'll go off to by himself because he went off to the, his car and everything and fucking laughed his ass <laughs> off. So High Anxiety is another great one and also oh. a great musical moment when he's yeah. singing the theme, High Anxiety. <laughs> Where are you from? I love that. God, I love Mel. Oh, he's, he's brilliant and I'm going to... Uh, here's another one. Okay. Uh, Dracula dead and loving it. Not only did he uh, use Leslie Nielsen that was already very, very good at doing satire oh, movies, yes. you know, from his Naked Gun fame, but he brought in a lot of uh, a, a lot of new and a lot of his um, signature talent, uh, including his wife and stuff like that. It's one of those traditional all star uh, all star casts, and <clears throat> he decided, okay, I'm making a satire of the the new Coppola Dracula movie, and I'm also going to make fun of the original. Oh yeah. He sold the, the whole idea of a Dracula movie. He did. He that. made fun of the whole supernatural Dracula thing. He uh, it had it had the look of the old one, and even uh, Peter McNichols' Renfield is the way the original one goes. <laughs> I mean, and he did it. It was great. He yeah. satired both at the same time. And we definitely have to hit Dracula Dead and Loving it on a why not. We will. We yeah. will. And I guess to wrap up our rapid fires, I'm going to point out one of the movies Mel Brooks has honestly said is his favorite is Life Stinks. Yes. It's not a satire. No? It's, well, it's kind of a satire of the the whole uh, corporate greed side of life. Uh, it is, but it's not really making fun of anything. It's a, not a direct... It's not a genre. It is a film. It's a film. It's a, but it's a film. funny film. It's a funny as hell film. Yes. Because just the his... His rise, fall, and re-rise mm-hmm. And the heart behind it and everything it, It's yeah. Mel Brooks It is And honestly, that's about it uh, yeah. We usually would say, uh, why not Blazing Saddles But you know what, if you have to ask why not Blazing Saddles Then you gotta ask why not Mel Brooks And you know what, because it's Mel fucking Brooks Yes <laughs>